Good morning to the Rock family. It's good to see all your faces here this busy summer day. I know we could all be different places and doing different things, but it's wonderful to come together and encourage one another and to be together. And I just want to welcome anybody who would be listening later on by audio. Um, we are just excited that the God that lives within us makes everything right in our world. He is the one who restores us, recreates us. As I was thinking about this morning and, and I was asking the Holy Spirit, I said, is there anything special, you know, beyond what he's been talking to me about all week? And, and he was talking to me about, tell them to be imitators of God. You know, when we're little children, we look up to our mom and our dad and, and we imitate them, Right? And, and as a parent, we sort of look at that, and we think it's cute. And then I, I have a, a grandson who's five, but every so often I'll go to babysit, and I kick my shoes off. The next thing I know, the five-year-old's walking around in my big shoes. He's like, Grandma, look at me. And he's like teasing me to come take my shoes back. He's imitating me. He's wanting my attention. He's trying to be like Grandma or be like Grandpa. He's imitating who we are. Our, our children learn from us by imitating us. And as we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, it's the same idea, is that he wants us to imitate him. He wants us to learn from him, to be like him. And Paul, Paul told the church in one of his letters, he says, imitate me as I imitate God, which that's an important qualifier because none of us are perfect. And there's stuff that we do that we really wouldn't want our kids imitating at times. But when we look <laughs> at God our Father, he's always perfect. We can always trust that when we imitate him, we'll never go along a wrong path. There will never be condemnation for imitating God. And everything that we've experienced through our salvation in Jesus Christ, that's just sort of like that. That salvation experience is like having the door swing wide open to the kingdom of God. And it's like we take a giant step in. And I don't know if you, when you've ever been to a new place, when you first come in the doorway, you sort of look around, don't you? You're trying to get your bearings, the lay of the land. You know, there's a hallway here. Well, there's the restroom. That might come in handy. We, we sort of take a look around. And when we come into the kingdom of God, that's sort of the same thing is that we're trying to get our bearings. We're trying to understand, what does it mean? What's different about this? And today, that's part of what we're going to talk about. What's different about our experience in the kingdom of God? How do we learn to be in this world, but yet operate like we're not of this world? Because we're not anymore. And we need to learn to imitate God so that we walk as if we're not of this world. So let's, let's pray together, and we'll get into the word. Heavenly Father, I ask for the grace and the mercy of your Holy Spirit to fall on us, that each one of us has a different experience with you, a different, a different lifetime of experience. And I pray by your Spirit that you apply to our hearts what we need to hear, that you take each one of us to a higher level of imitating you, of learning to walk like you and talk like you. 
And so, Father, I pray that you fill our hearts, fill my mouth with your words, that life comes forth and we're encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. So our first scripture is going to be John 17, verses 14 through 18. And I've been talking about how we're in this world, but not of this world. So where does that come from? Let's look at this scripture here. This is Jesus speaking, and he's actually in prayer to the Father. And he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Stop here for a second. Do you see what happens to us when we receive the word of God? It changes. It changes our location. There was a time when we're in the world, but when the word comes to live in our hearts, we get transformed. We become a new creation in Christ. We're one of God's babies. We get born again. We're we are adopted. Everything changes when we receive the word. And Jesus says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And sanctify means to cleanse, to prepare us for spiritual service. And Jesus is saying the more word that we get in us, the more prepared we are. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So there's ascending. There's, this, is, this is, we could say, the same as the Great Commission. So we're in this world, but we no longer originate from this world. We have been given a new identity. We have been given a new position in the kingdom of God. We have been given all the authority of the kingdom of God. We've been given all the rights and privileges a citizen of the kingdom of God has. Everything about our life has now changed. And we have to begin to process this reality because... He's sending us back out. And I think sometimes that's been the frustrating part for me is that for years I've been hearing about the Great Commission, you know, go, 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 do, 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 you know, be like Jesus, share the word, share the gospel. But I feel like I've never been fully processing what it means to be able to go do that. I haven't thoroughly got in my spirit and, and my heart the fact that I'm no longer of the world. So there are some things that we need to be consciously aware of, I believe. It's just like if you, if you sign up for any branch of the military, you go to boot camp, and they break down your thinking and build it back up so that you're prepared to go to war. You're prepared to go do what they send you to do. And I think sometimes as believers, we don't allow that change in our thinking to happen. We really have to tear down all the systems of the world and allow the truth to build us back up and prepare us to go back out into the world, even though we're not of the world. We still have to go back out in the world. And so changes happen to us. And how do we process this change? What do we need to do? 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please, Jane. In this preparation time, God has given us a very, very precious person. He has poured out his Holy Spirit upon us. And he is the one who helps us navigate this in the world, but not of the world. The Holy Spirit is our best friend. He's like the captain of our ship, the coach of our team. He calls the shots. He helps us set the course. But Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and here's what he's saying. He says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, there's a change, a big change, because the Lord of glory is now our Lord. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now that's an Old Testament scripture out of Isaiah. Now, a lot of people stop there, but Paul didn't. Paul says that was Old Testament, but here in New Testament, there's something different going on. In verse 10, he says, but God has revealed them. Those things that previously man did not know. In verse 10, Paul says, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, let's think about this for a second. In your deepest heart of hearts, in your thought process, you hold within you secrets that nobody else knows. You hold your fears. You hold your deepest hopes. You hold the intentions that you are planning to do in the next day or the next week. There are things in the deepest part of you that nobody knows except you, your spirit, your mind, your heart. Well, Paul's writing and he says there are things in the heart of God that only the spirit of God knows. But here's the beautiful part. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world. Remember that's we're not in the world anymore. I mean, we're not of the world anymore. We're in the world, but we're not of it. And so he says, we haven't received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit who is from God. That's what initiates this big change. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So what's happening is the Holy Spirit is speaking to your human spirit to reveal to you the deepest heart of God for you, how much he loves you, what he wants to give you, his blessings, his power, his authority, his strength. It is the Holy Spirit's role to reveal to us the things that are freely given to us by God. Now, you notice he didn't say the things that we got to pry out of God's hands. That's not what he's saying, is it? He says, there's things that God freely gives you. They're yours for the asking. He wants you to have them. He wants to distribute them. He wants to give them to you. It's the Holy Spirit who tells us what those are. So we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit and understanding that there are things he wants to give us. We're going to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now. Today I'm, I'm going to be talking about miracles and the manifestation of the gifts 
of the Spirit and the gifts of miracles is one of these gifts as we get down in here. So we're going to read this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. And he wants us to understand spiritual gifts, the things that the Holy Spirit has for us. And he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts. Now, what we're going to read in verses 4, 5, and 6, we're going to see that our Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, have each given us impartations of spiritual gifts. Each one of them have distributed something to us, layered gifts upon us. So he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now this shares nine different gifts, and I've spoke about a lot of these previously, and today we're going to work on the discerning of, or on the working of miracles. But what I want us to see is that these gifts are what I would call occasional. They are for a specific occasion. They meet a specific need. The working of miracles is there is a problem that needs solved that we're not humanly capable of solving. We need divine intervention to come and to make something that's very wrong right. So these gifts come and go. This, this, the gifts of the Spirit are power gifts, and they come and they go as they're needed because God sees what's going on in each of our lives, and he knows that there are things that are needed, and the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts. Now, whether we have a gift from God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, there are four things that we should know about gifts, spiritual gifts. Each gift comes with anointing, and that means a consecration for spiritual service. When you receive a spiritual gift, whether it's occasional, like the gift of the Spirit, or it's a personality gift from God that we find in Romans chapter 12, or if it's an equipping gift in Ephesians 4, there is an anointing. Each one of you has an anointing, a consecration for serving God with your gift. The second thing that comes with that gift is authority. You have been commissioned to do something with your gifts. So your spiritual gifts have anointing, a consecration for spiritual service, and they have authority. That's the right for you to exercise your gift as God leads you to exercise it. And then there is a power, 
Every spiritual gift has an equipping, has an equipping force, an ability. So whatever gifts you have, you have anointing, authority, and you have the power to use that gift, an ability. And then the last thing you get is wisdom. The wisdom to use that gift is also resident in the spiritual gift that you receive. So you get anointing, authority, power, and wisdom. And how do we get all of these things? Because it, each person of the Godhead, whether it's the Holy Spirit, he, he maintains all the authority, the power, the wisdom, the understanding of the Godhead, the same with Jesus Christ. He maintains all the power, the authority, the wisdom, the anointing of the Godhead and God the Father. Each one of them, the gifts that they distribute, contain the very essence of who this person of the Godhead is. And they distribute them freely on us because they want to restore us. They want to bless us. They want to equip us to overcome the enemy. They want us to walk as kings and priests, as the representatives of God. When we receive spiritual gifts, we receive the deepest essence and personality of our God within us, within us, living within us. You carry a treasure in earthen vessels. Did you know that? Each one of you carries a treasure in earthen vessels. That's what Paul called it in 1 Corinthians, a treasure maybe it's 2 Corinthians, a treasure in earthen vessels and on the inside of you. Because God is on the inside of you, there are spiritual gifts on the inside of you. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. These spiritual gifts are part of our equipping to witness that the kingdom of God is here right now available. Jesus came preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Everywhere he was preaching, the kingdom of God is here. And he told, he told the disciples and apostles, go out and preach the kingdom of God is here. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead. These resident gifts on the inside of us are because God wants to bear witness of his power. In Hebrews chapter 2, he wrote, Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. When we preach the gospel, when we preach salvation, when we preach the kingdom of God, God wants to confirm these things through answered prayers, through the gifts of the Spirit, through the working of miracles. And he wants to do it through you and through I. He wants to do it through us. He has given us the ability because he dwells on the inside of us. But we have to come to the point where we believe this and we are willing to do what he asked him to do, what he asked us to do, because he wants to witness to us 
of his power and his glory. Now, we're going to talk for a moment about the manifestation of the gift of the working of miracles. Now, I want to make a distinction. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of the working of miracles. But we are also expected, even aside from receiving a gift of the Spirit, to walk in miracles. When you read Mark 16, Jesus said, These signs follow those that believe on me. They heal the sick, cast out devils. They heal leprosy. They raise the dead. So even aside from the working of miracles, receiving a special gift from the Holy Spirit, we are those who, at some point in our life, he expects us to come up to this point where we can imitate God and pray and see miracles happen, command demons to leave people and see miracles happen. The blind see and the deaf hear because the demons no longer control their bodies. There are things that we have not yet experienced, but as we seek to, to imitate God, there is another level that we can come up to. Now, for, the, for, for every miracle, there are three things that we need to be aware of if you want to see a miracle. First of all, there's a need, right? We all recognize the need. That's pretty upfront normally. We're a little bit in panic mode when we realize only a miracle can solve this issue. So the first part of a miracle is recognizing the need. The second part is having faith in God's ability to meet that need. Are all things possible with God? They are. And then the third part of a miracle is us believing that God will use us to meet that need. And that's sort of where we get stuck. God wants to use our prayers to work miracles. He wants to use our obedience and trust in him to solve situations that seem humanly impossible. He wants to, let, he wants to have us let the rivers of living water of the Holy Spirit flow out of us to minister to people, to bring the living water of God to their lives. And I know that this is something that probably most of us aren't yet walking in all the time. Some of us, I'm sure, have seen prayers answered. We have seen God move, and we've seen miracles, and we've seen some things. But I think there's another level that we can get to when we put our faith and trust and listen to the Holy Spirit, tell us what to do. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Part of desiring to see miracles happen, here's a key. Paul told the church, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. prophesy. Pursue love. That word pursue means to chase it down, to run hard after it, to go after it. Go after the love of God. Walk in the love of God. But you know, the secret is the fruit of the Spirit is love. So when he's saying pursue love, we're pursuing the Holy Spirit. 
We're saying, Holy Spirit, teach me. I want to know. Show me what to do. Show, fill me with your love. Help me to walk in love. And, and that's something that we make effort, that this is on us to go after the Holy Spirit. But then he says, desire spiritual gifts. Because the gifts of the Spirit, and that's where this chapter here, chapter 12, 13, and 14, is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He says, desire spiritual gifts. This is something that we can't control because the Holy Spirit gives them as he wills. But this word desire means that we can ask for them. Desire is, is something that we have deep in our hearts that we want to be like God. We want to imitate God. We want to do the things that God would do. So we pursue love and we desire spiritual gifts. So how do we prepare ourselves to walk in these spiritual gifts? In 2 Timothy, Jane, would you put up 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 21? We want to work the works. Jesus said we can do greater works. So how do we prepare ourselves to walk in greater works? Well, we, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, even in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but there are also vessels of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. If anyone cleanses, not one another, we don't point out that we have problems in our to our brothers or our sisters, that they have problems. He says, check your own heart, check your own life. Sanctify. Sanctified means set aside. You make the choice that in your life, the way you live your life, it's going to be as it's set aside, ready for God to tap you and use you at any moment. That's what it means to sanctify, that you, you set yourself aside. In Matthew chapter 7, Verses 21 through 29, Jesus was speaking to the disciples, and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And Jesus replied, and he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rocks. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Jesus is making the point that the word of God puts us in submission to Jesus' will, to God's will. So when we become a doer of the word, and we, we hear and we do, then when we're 
ministering, when we're casting out devils and doing these different things, we know that we're in God's will, we're in his plan, because we are a doer of the word. You know, <clears throat> do you remember the very first miracle that the Bible records that Jesus did? Anyone? Where was that miracle at? A wedding. And it was in Cana, right? And who, who received that miracle? It was some servants. You know, we should have greater respect for the servants at the restaurant. It was servants behind the scenes who were serving at a wedding banquet. And there was trouble because they ran out of wine. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, became aware that there was no wine left and the party wasn't half done. And so she came to Jesus and she says, I need your help. And so Jesus came back and he assessed the situation after she persuaded him. But you know, what did she say to the servants? Do you remember? What did Mary say to the servants? Who? What's that? Do whatever he tells you to do. It's that simple, folks. If we want to see miracles, we're listening, and we just do whatever he tells us to do. It's that simple. There's no mystery. Just do whatever he tells you to do. Because it's him, the Father, who does the miracles. We don't have to come up with the miracles. We just do whatever he tells us to do. And that's, that's, that's the whole key right there. But what is our capacity, my brothers and sisters? What capacity do you have to work miracles? A little capacity, a lot of capacity, overflowing capacity. What is your capacity to work miracles? Well, let me ask you, who lives inside of you? Does that answer your capacity? We have God the Father dwelling in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ on the inside of us. That is our capacity to work miracles. That is what limits you in your working of miracles. So the only limit that you have, the only limitation that you will ever experience is according to the fact that God lives on the inside of you. So we all have this capacity... <laughs> But we have to realize it. We have to understand who we are in Christ, what the kingdom of God has given us. We have to be conscious of imitating God and thinking like God thinks. There is a passage in Luke, and I don't think I gave this one to you, Jane. But Jesus says to the disciples, he says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but that, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. See, this is a, a joint thing. Your names are written in heaven, and that's an absolute amazing thing. But secondary to that is the fact that demons obey you. Is your name written in heaven? Will the demons obey you? That, uh... Jesus doesn't lie to us, does he? I mean, it's, it's pretty simple when we start to think about this. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. This is one that we talked about last week. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Greater works, he says, because you can ask in his name, because you've been given the authority in his name. Greater works are yours, he says. And we really need to understand that it's the Holy Spirit living on the, ins on the inside of us that brings us to these greater works. Do we see ourselves as one with God? Do we see ourselves as God living in us? I'm going to skip ahead, Jane, to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason, Paul is praying here, and he says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit, in the inner man. That word might is the same word dunamis, the miracle working power in your inner man. Miracle working power in your inner man. It's the same one in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's that same word power, miracle working power. Now, this is all, this is through the scriptures when we sort of look up what these words mean. But it's all through the New Testament that you are able to do miracles because you have miracle working power on the inside of you. Now, I want to talk to you about the power of prayer for just a moment, praying in the Spirit, watching in the Spirit. I'm going to tell you a true story. This is 1998, and it's the second Sunday in June, which this is also the second Sunday in June, Doug and I are in Romania. We were on a short-term mission. We had been in the morning church service, and our, our host brought us back to their home so that we could rest and have a nap until the evening service. And we had just laid down on the bed, and I felt this wave of cold fear just wash over my spirit. And I'm like, what was that? Because it was like, I, I don't walk in fear. And I just felt this wave of fear wash over my spirit. And I just began to pray in tongues. I began to pray in the spirit. And I was praying, and I was praying. About 15 minutes, I'm still praying in the spirit. And it comes to me, the Holy Spirit reveals that I'm praying for my oldest daughter. And I keep praying. I keep praying until I feel that heaviness lift. And I said to Doug, if, if we had been in the U.S., I would have called her. But we were in Romania, and that home did not have a telephone even in 1998. It was a rural area, and there was no phone in the home. I couldn't call her. I had no idea what was going on. And that Sunday afternoon, the second Sunday in June in 1998. The next day, my daughter is actually down in Texas at Christ Through the Nations 
Bible Training Institute. And her semester was up, but they were doing youth camp, and she decided to stay there and help with youth camp. So there's a group of these young adults, and they're meeting on Monday morning, meeting on Tuesday morning. They always get together, have some worship and some prayer. And Tuesday, the prayer went on and on and on. I mean, for almost two hours, from 10 to 12, they were praying and praying before they felt a release to leave. In the afternoon, there were five young people, my daughter included, and because the youth were coming the next week, they were setting up like an obstacle course out on a big field to do games and stuff with the youth. And they had erected this large slide out of two-by-four in wood timber and, and had a big platform. They were going to line it and make a water slide out of it. They were going to line it with a liner. And so some of them are on the steps. Some of them are up on the top of the big platform before you go down the slide. And they hear what she thought was a car backfire. One of, the young, one of the young men was raised in the Bronx, and he knew that wasn't backfire. He knew that was semi-automatic. He's on the top, and he starts pulling his friends and throwing them down the slide. And he's yelling, get down, get down, get down. Because he knew what that was. There are five of them laying in this wooden slide trough. And she's telling me the sides were two by 12s. They're about 12 inches deep. The car comes past. And sure enough, semi-automatic gunfire rakes the slide. And it's full of bullet holes. And the bullet holes went in, and the bullet holes went out. Four of the students did not have a scratch on them. One did catch a bullet, but it was not life-threatening. This is an international Bible school, and there were students there from all over the world. Prayers for the youth ministry went out globally. And the enemy got shut down. But I really really began to think, what if I hadn't prayed? What if they hadn't prayed? What if we hadn't taken the time to pray in the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit pray through us? Would there have been five dead young people? Rather than a testimony of bullet holes 
going through, coming out the other side. There were angels that day. Had to be. Sometimes God needs us to help him work miracles. Sometimes he needs us to pray in the spirit, watch in the spirit. So if you ever feel like you sense danger for someone or yourself or your family, begin to pray. Begin to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to pray through you. God wants to work miracles on our behalf. And he knows that the power of the Spirit dwells within us. We give him permission to work through us. That Sunday in 1998, I had no idea what the enemy's assignment was. When I started praying, I had no idea it was on my daughter. But as I began praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit kept telling me, you're praying for Jennifer, you're praying for Jennifer. And sometimes God reveals to you who you're praying for. Sometimes he doesn't. I had a friend whose name, she's, her name was Pat, is Pat. And on a Saturday night, she had a vision. And in her vision, she saw a boat laden with what she felt were Vietnamese people. And it was sinking in the water. And sharks were surrounding the, the boat. And she began to pray. And as she prayed, the vision changed, and she saw dolphins come and surround this boat and drive away the sharks. She had no idea who she was praying for. She didn't know these people. They were somewhere across the world. Sunday morning, she's driving to children's church because she was one of my children's church teachers. And she hears on the radio that a boat full of refugees was picked up and they testified that dolphins came to keep the sharks away. This was on the radio on Sunday morning. Did God work a miracle? Sometimes we pray for people we don't even know. I know that God works on my behalf. Jesus said that he does what the Father tells him to do. He says what the Father tells him to say. The Father shows him what to do. And we can do the same thing. We can say, Father, show me what miracles. Tell me what to say, what to do. We just imitate God. We imitate Jesus. We listen, and we do what he tells us to do. And, and amazing things can happen. Now, I'm going to take a minute. Some of you may have testimonies, too. Would anyone like to share how God moved in their life in a way that changed their life? Would anyone like to come up front and just share a story? Don't be shy. It's even the little things. Peter came to Jesus and said, I need to pay taxes. Jesus said, go get a fish. And there was a gold coin in the fish's mouth. Matt? 
a couple of years ago, um, Tom and Jody came up front, or they were talking about, um, some of you were here, some of you might not have been here, but um, they were talking about Morgan needed eye surgery, and it was going to cost $5,000 or something like that. And I leaned over to Tammy, and I said, uh, we need to do something. And she goes, I know. She goes, I'm going to write a little check. And I said, no. I said, we need to do something big. And um, I said, let's have a, uh, a little fundraiser, a little cookout. We were going to do sizzle steaks. And I uh, had a buddy that came and helped me. And somebody donated the meat. And somebody else, I, um, I think Hendricks donated the meat, something like that, solders. And uh, we started cooking the stuff. And we were doing the full-size, they were the full-size steaks. They were, the, you know, like this big, but that thin. Did the first set of them. I took the tray in, and I looked down the hallway, and it was lined up out the door. And uh, I told my buddy, I said, we're going to run on meat. And he goes, really? I go, yeah, there's hundreds of people here. So we started cutting them in half. And when we got done, we had one half of a steak left. And I said, how much did we raise? And we raised $5,020 or something like that. I thought it was pretty amazing. That's, that's my story. So that was kind of a God thing. More than enough. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Someone else, they have a story of God moving on your behalf. It can be little things like returning lost items. I sometimes suffer with headaches, and um, this has probably been about a month ago, but I was having some bad headaches. I wasn't sure if it was sinus infection or what was going on, um, but I kept going to work, and um, one of the ladies in my office, she came in and she said, I woke up in the middle of the night, and something told me to pray for you for your health, she said, so... I prayed and prayed and prayed, and she's like, and you're still on my mind, so can I pray for you? And so she came in, and she prayed, and um, by the end of that day, I had, like, no headaches, nothing, everything. I felt great, um, and she had no idea that I was suffering with this, so I just I just know that she was answering prayers, and it, it healed me, so. She was obedient to pray. Praise God. Amen. Someone else. Yeah, a couple years ago, my son uh, sent us a picture on the phone, and he had black spots on his tongue. And long story short, he had picked up something in the river. So I, I don't know if it was, um, I'm trying to remember the name, I don't know if it was some kind of septum or what. But anyway, what was going on was he was just that close to bleeding out through his height. And his counts were just, and anyway, the minute he got a hold of us, I knew it was a spiritual battle and I just went praying in the spirit, going to war, you know, we're at war folks. And I just went to war, and we went to pray, and, and, and his daughter had been playing on him, and like 
they said, you know, it's a wonder. Because she was like bouncing on him and stuff. It's a wonder things didn't just go to bleeding inside. And anyway, long story short, God healed him. You know, he did, did use the doctors, but uh, mm -hmm. there was a, you know, in, an intense time of praying in the spirit and then a release where I knew the battle was won. And so, praise God. Amen. Praise God for that. We will never regret being obedient to pray. Never regret obedience to pray. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but <clears throat> my dad had a peptic and a gastric ulcer. And five or six weeks after they did a scope on him, and the doctor said there was one small red spot that he biopsied, but he said, I'm almost positive that it's nothing. Uh, two weeks later, they said that he had stomach cancer, one cell of stomach cancer. So they took him into the hospital to operate, and the surgeon wasn't even convinced that that's what it was. And so he did lab work before the surgery, and he told us, if it wasn't cancer, that my dad would be out like in an hour. And if he wasn't out an hour, it was cancer. Well, it was. And um, it was a miracle that that doctor biopsied that one small spot. And my dad had severe stomach surgery then. They had to like reconnect and do whatever. But that is the miracle that happened. That they found that small yes. spot. Wreck. Got hit head on. We walked away, literally walked away into the ambulance by ourselves. The other guy, not so good. He had crossed the center line and hit us. Doug had prayed before we left that day that God would protect us, give his angels charge over us, I was supposed to be heading up to Detroit Airport to fly out. We never made the flight, but we made it home. God is good. So about two years ago in May, Austin was in a car accident. Um, he was on the highway with his work truck, and there was a semi that had the two trailers. We call them a wiggle wagon. Um, the truck went off into the berm into the construction part of it and by the grace of God he didn't have one scratch on him the truck was completely totaled smashed just crumpled and so every morning I say a little prayer that just bring him home thank you Jesus for your grace and for angels Anyone else have a story to share? God is moving on our behalf. He's watching over us. He loves us. Anyone else? One last time. What was that? So the first time in my life that I ever prayed to God, ever, I had been engaged before I met him. 
and he, that guy broke off the engagement. So, of course, I was devastated. But I prayed. It's the first time ever in my life. I was 20 years old. I prayed, please, God, just bring me somebody that will love me the way I need to be loved. And then I met him two weeks later. <laughs> so I got an answered prayer quick. That is an amazing answer. Amen. A lifetime answer. That's awesome. Anyone else? Okay. Well, let's stand. I want to confess over you the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is always on our side. I declare over our church family that although we might be in this world, we are no longer of this world, and we receive our power and authority from the kingdom of God. I declare over our Rock family that we clearly hear from the Holy Spirit all the things that he's freely given to us. I declare that we are not ignorant about spiritual gifts, but rather we pursue love and we desire spiritual gifts. I declare that we become aware of and walk in the anointing, the power, the authority, and the wisdom that resides in our spiritual gifts. I declare that we are learning to watch and pray in the Holy Spirit, and we are praying for the people that he brings to mind. I declare over us that signs and wonders follow us because we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare over the Rock family that we will accomplish the greater works that Jesus assigned to us as we seek to fulfill his great commission. Folks, I am just so blessed to, to know you and be a part of this family. Um, I just want to usher an invitation here at the end. If you need prayer or agreement on anything, feel free to come up, and we'll have elders and pastors and people here to pray with you. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day.